Welcome to a new episode of A Deeper Network. I'm your host, brother, and I'm so excited about this new guest. Not only did we start our careers together, but I owe him a lot in terms of musical education, especially my love for the New Jersey house sound. So without further ado, let me please call on Mr. Jeremy Underground. Let's get into it. All right, bro, we're going to do this in English, okay? Yeah, of course. <laughs> did you ever think that one day I would be interviewing you in English for everybody to understand, man? Isn't that crazy? Uh, yeah, everything's possible in music. I'm just worried that I haven't been uh, speaking English much in the past uh, five months. But uh, yeah, I apologize in advance for all the listeners for possible mistakes. <laughs> man, come on, your English is really good. Yeah, well, I, 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 uh, my vocabulary is, uh, is lacking a bit, but uh, yeah, whatever. Everybody knows French people aren't that good at English, so you're doing a really good job, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm doing my best. Anyway, I've seen a really big difference over the years. You've you really gotten pretty good, man, so well done. Of course, of course, watching movies in English and everything, trying to understand the lyrics, that's always what I tell friends. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, if you're interested in music, try to understand what, what this is about, you know, because <laughs> that could be like you know singing a bit uh, like a fool uh, stuff you don't understand uh, you know yeah man we all did that you know exactly we all start like that exactly i'm 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 actually finding out like uh, even recently like i'm like oh yeah this is the this is the chorus i've been enjoying this is what it means and all you know well from the non-english speaking point of view you know sometimes it's uh, it's a bit hard but yeah true 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 tell me i was thinking do you actually remember when we first met It, it's kind of blurry. I was trying to remember uh, the, the little details when I was thinking of this interview right now. I think it's around 2005 because I met Henry Innersense, uh, a close mm -hmm. friend uh, whom we're probably going to talk about as well. But uh, I think, yeah, of course, we met through the Cheers Forum. Uh, the Cheers yes. was a, a party where we were hanging out in Paris at the June Club, especially at the Dance Culture Sunday parties. Yep. Uh, Sunday afternoon events with uh, house dancers and all really cool. Greg Gauthier playing for six hours with some uh, some guests sometimes. So, the, uh, so these guys, I'm just, of course, explaining our listeners. There was a, a nice and strong community of people coming every Sunday, dancing to Soulful House or, or sometimes, you know, old school house, whatever, but like quality house music. And we met through there. We met through that forum. And uh, I remember you sent me your demos. Yeah. Yeah. Then again, pretty sure it's, it's 2005. And I heard your demos and, it, you know, it's, it just sounded, I, I was at the peak of my obsession for early 90s house and I heard this guy I'm, I see at the party dancing and 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 the music you were you, you were doing and uh, you know it just sounded like Smack Productions and uh, and Eddie Perez fully and I wasn't even aware of it. Yeah, that's the point. <laughs> that's the point. That's the that the, the, I, I remember clearly that, that that thought. I'm like this dude does stuff like that sounds like like the best of Smack Productions, but he's not even aware of it. So I thought that was crazy, and, and then our friendship started. And yeah, but you know, now that I remember, so, you know, I discovered house music in England, and within my group of friends, I, you know, I didn't really have that many heads, and so going to clubs were kind of like a solitary thing. I went to a party once in Montmartre, and I saw some dancers. Um, yeah. It was a party with Gilbert, Frank Roger, and DJ Deep. And I was like, wow, house dancing, that looks dope. I really need to learn how to do that. So I took some lessons. I found a place I took lessons where I could take lessons. And uh, they were telling me, oh, you have to come on the Sunday 
at this place, the June, there's a party and there's dancers and you can come and there's good house music. So I was like, okay, let me just try it out. And, and I went there and I guess I realized that, you know, it was the music that I liked and people were loving it. And suddenly I found that I... I found um, some kind of community and by talking to people, they were telling me, oh, you should log in onto this forum. Cheers. So I didn't really know Cheers. So yeah, now it's it's really coming back to me. My story with house music was actually different. Like I wasn't just a dancer, whatever, you know. Uh, some people were telling me, oh, yeah, you're a dancer. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. people, so many dancers came from hip hop. They didn't have a connection with house music, but I just of came course. from the music and I wanted to learn how to dance. Anyway, uh, sh long story short, but yeah, I was, um, I remember sending some tracks to Henry or hearing him promote his track that was out on Harley and Muscle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They used it on a compilation. And when I heard it, I was like, wow, this is so dope. You know what? That reminds me something, but uh, that's, that's kind of too far away. Go on. Like for me, you know, the, 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 um, the big step from Henry was his EP and, uh, you know, proper full release on 90s, yeah. which was 2006. You know, the, the big foundation of our group of friends releasing something was definitely his EP in 2006 on the Nikki's label, yeah. 90s records. Uh, and then, of course, one year after yours, yep. <laughs> which just got uh, reissued. And he was like, oh, yeah. And, you know, it, it was the inspiration for me as well. I can't exactly remember if we met in 2003 or 2004. So anyways, it was one or two years before you. But yeah, it was my first connection. We we were talking on the forum and I was a, a huge Kerry Chandler head. And, and I, I saw that Kerry Chandler was playing in the north of France yeah. in, a in a town called uh, Dunkerque. Pretty obscure town <laughs> to see Kerry Chandler playing. Uh, that's the, the, the that's for the French listening to us. And yeah, I met Henry on the train. We went we went together. That was the the first connection. So yeah, obviously then he made the connection with you. He told me about you, and uh, and then yeah, we started to hang out at that Sunday party. How old were you at the time? If we're talking like I'm born uh, at the end of '86, so I was. Uh, you're, yeah, you were just 20, 21. Yeah. No, no, uh, younger than that. Yeah, 19, because I remember then you turned 20 and I was like, wow, this guy is so young. I'm not going to tell the same story in all interviews, but I, I, I got my first uh, house record when I was 11. So it's it just crazy. Even when I talk about it, it's like, it sounds like I'm even lying, but that's the truth. <laughs> I got, I got, I'm not going to tell that story that I've told many times, but yeah, I was listening. Yeah, you were made, made for it, man. Yeah, somehow. I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, I, I fell into into that world at a really early age, uh, thanks to DJ Deep, listening to his shows on Radio Nova and falling directly into the great stuff, actually. I didn't start with a commercial house or... So since you started so young, like how old were you when you went to your first club night? Um, that's got to be 2003, seeing Kerry Chandler again at uh, La Coupole, which is a Parisian venue that the Cheers uh, party were using at the time. So you're what, 16 or 15? Uh, yeah, I mean, 15, 16, I don't know. So yeah, I was I was under the, the legal age of 18 to be able to attend the venue, but I looked older, so so it was fine at the door. And uh, yeah, I saw Kerry Chandler playing live. It was my first real proper house clubbing experience. Amazing. I went with my, uh, with my older uh, sister. 
Pierrette. Yeah, yeah, Eva. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's her nickname. Yeah. But yeah, my, my, my older sister, Eva. We're, Sending some big love to Eva. We got uh, 14 years different. She's from uh, 72. I'm from uh, 86. So yeah, of course, it was easier to hang out with an older sister so that I could sneak in the club. You know, it was uh, obviously, you know. That's so cool. And yeah, seeing, uh, yeah, first time in the club, seeing Carrie Chandler. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, uh, right straight uh, to the point of of my favorite music, which is still my favorite music today, by, by, by today, of course, you know, by far. This is incredible, man. Like, if you think about it, when you were 11, you listened to Charles McDougall, by, produced by <laughs> Kerry. <laughs> Yeah. Right? No, 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 no. It's 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 not produced by Kerry. Oh yeah, produced by, by yeah, yeah, McDougall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's both. It's the it's a it's the the, the two McDougall brothers. But yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a there's a typical pattern production pattern from Charles actually, from Charles McDougall. And yeah, yeah. Well, the, the that track Charles McDougall that's life. It's a yeah classic tune, but uh, but pretty obscure. And and DJ Deep was playing it to death uh, back in those days. It was a pretty hard to find record pretty unique record with a crazy voice and a, and some weird instrumental it's it's a weird record but it's very unique that i recorded that on tape and i was like i was a kid like i don't know i didn't know what happened but something happened in my bedroom that i can still remember by today it's like you know i don't know how to explain it but it was like I don't know what happened in my brain, but a huge load of serotonin and dopamine and whatever can turn your brain happy, you know. But I was like, okay, this is crazy. I've got to listen to the same show the week after. <laughs> I recorded it on tape. And, uh, you know, it was just like DJ Deep uh, back in the 97, you know, just like the best of, uh, of, uh, of, uh, uh, of New York's finest underground house. And, you know, I remember the tunes he was playing in that show, the other tunes, apart from That's Life, you know, it was just, just B.O.P. And, and the news from Shaz and all. Well, you know, it's 97. It's it's peak one of the one of the best years you know and uh, and of course then i grew up and i was you know 12 13 so i listened to other stuff as well like you know there was a it was also a peak of the french touch at that time yeah so you could have a super discount or whatever and that kind of stuff or or you know the thomas bengalter uh, stuff uh, and i loved that as well but then i realized a bit a few years later uh, when i turned um 15 around 2002 i'm like yeah okay this is this is all great like this whole um choice of electronic music i, I, I love everything but let's let's revisit what made me fall in love with it the first time which is like which seems to be that obscure new york or whatever of course i had no idea it was new york or new jersey or whatever and then i decided to you know to dig into uh, the carry chandler discography and then uh, and of course the masters at work discography and all so wait before we go into uh, all the the beginning of you discovering all that good us house i wanted to just think about now we just spoke about carry and I was saying how okay the, the, when you're 11 you you're 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 shocked by Charles McDougall okay it's not Kerry <laughs> yeah. but it's basemental it's yeah, of course yeah, yeah. the same family but what I want to say is that basically like 20 years later you're friends with Kerry you're even playing together as a branded name underground chaos <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't make this up. This is just like amazing. Like I just want to take a moment to just think that this is, you know. You can't make this stuff up. This, yeah. this story yeah. is, is purely amazing, you know, from being so passionate about someone to becoming their friend and sharing the stage together. 
you know? Yeah, I mean, I mean, from the outsider point of view, it sounds crazy, but you know, it's since since I've been listening to that music at a really early stage, and and first saw Carrie for the first time, I went out to a club, and started to kind of hang out with Carrie um, at all the parties I would visit when I was traveling. I told you about that party in the north of France where I met my first house friend and all. Like the connections have been made a long time ago. You know, it's not like you discover someone and two years after you make a duo and you play together. No, no, there was a, there was a connection that Carrie would remember me from the first time we, we you know, he's like, who are you? You're bringing me, your, you know, I was I was bringing records to sign like the Stratosphere EP and the, those kind of rare records at the time before you could buy records on Discogs. And so, of course, you would see like that, that young dude from Paris, like, you know, the connection started a long time ago, around 2004. That's when I was trying to travel as much as I could to see him playing. So, of course, then you get to spend time. Uh, you know, in the backstage talking and all. And I was completely obsessed, like asking him details about that particular record that he released in 93 or 94, whatever. So, of course, then artists like Harry Chandler would remember such fans, you know. True fans. <laughs> just like we remember great people we've met since the beginning and all. You know, it's just like, you know, uh, of course, I'm not comparing Harry Chandler to any of us. But, you know, it's just like when you meet someone who's really passionate and who has a, a deep knowledge about what you've done or what you're playing or whatever, at the end, like 14 years after or something, then you, you get to play together. So it's crazy, of course, well, you know, the way you, you tell the story. But at the end, it's not that, you know, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it, but, you know, it's like it's 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 a guy I know for a long time. And, and uh, of course, he knows me and everything. And and of course, but, you know, Kerry has a lot of friends and a lot of fans and everything. But there was a connection, made, a special connection. So then when I ended up in, in the touring scene, in the DJ scene, playing everywhere regularly, uh, then, you know, the connection was made. Hey, why, why don't you play with Kerry and all that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, let's play together and all. And of course, he was easy because he's the nicest guy on earth and, and we understand each other musically. That's so dope. Considering I've never made any music or, you know, I've just been an enthusiast since day one. I was always too scared of, of producing my own music or whatever. It's just a, probably a big lack of uh, self-confidence. I never wanted to get into that. I'm like, no, I'm not a musician. I was practicing piano when I was a kid and when I was not good at it. I was practicing guitar and I, I was not good at it. And um, and I was like, yeah, yeah, no, no, come on. I'm not a musician. I can be useful in some other way. So that's what I've been doing later on, just just being a DJ. I know you've tried, man. You even had the SP1200 once. Yeah, I remember you pushing me and, and so much friends <laughs> pushing me like, come on, dude, you, you have a good musical ear. That should be good and all. But yeah, I'm like, come on, guys, I'm... I'm too scared of that. <laughs> I'm too scared of that. And and even, you know, from now and then, there's a friend telling me, come on, man, you should start producing or whatever. I'm like, no, no, come on. Um, I'll leave that to artists, producers. Yeah, or you could just... You know, take on the role of the producer that directs the engineers and the musicians. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's what I've been doing on a few tracks. Like there was a that uh, True Force big uh, hit 
in a way, yeah. uh, on, on My Love is Underground that came out uh, 20, 2013. Yeah, I gave my ideas. I gave my ideas about arrangement, about the, you know the vocals and all the Robert De Niro vocals. Yeah, you, know? you provided that. I kind of directed it, but I didn't touch any any machine. So you know, it's just like you know. You even had Melanie jump on the mix down right at the end. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, I was directing like the the, the tune was great, but I was like, yeah, but uh, come on, Europe, we need someone to do. Uh, um, a higher level kind of mixing and then you know so we worked the three of us but of course like the main the, the main job was done by a uh, by a uh, Eura SC62 at first anyways just to tell that yeah I can I can direct that kind of stuff uh, but like starting from uh, from the beginning uh, till, till the end I never had the I don't know psychological power of saying yeah let's try to build something I don't know I think your strength lies more in like directing others finding the music you know the whole like creative direction aspect I think you know when I see you or you know because you, you're an extremely talented producer you know and I could I could see that from the beginning and I, I'm like yeah well what am I gonna do I have this kind of friends around me so that's when the the, the, the idea of well, I'm never gonna do anything better than them you know and <laughs> That's that. That's what I still think. You know, I'm never gonna start. Like it, it's. Ah, oh, come yeah. on, man! If I thought like that, I would never have put out any yeah, music. Know. You know, it's like. And anyways, I found a way after a while, like having people like you around. You know, starting the label uh, in 2010. Uh, releasing friends, you know, music from my friends and all. So I, I found my role, you know, it was some kind of that directing role. So let's talk about the beginning of My Love Is Underground, and let's actually tell everybody who's listening that. My Love is Underground wasn't always going to be called My Love is Underground. Uh, if I remember at the time of thinking of uh, starting a label, the first name was Deep Underground Records. That yeah, that's right. That's D-U-R. right. That's right. That, 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 that was the, yeah, which would mean <laughs> dur in French. It means hard. <laughs> hard, yeah. Yeah, that, that was an idea, but yeah, everything was kind of blurry and I, I don't know if, yeah, I don't know if I would have gone with that name. You know, it was just a bit, uh, yeah, a bit, too usual, uh, deep, you know, you know those words, deep yeah, underground, they're overused, yeah, yeah, yeah. overused in our scene, which is fine, you know. Definitely, it, it, these Mr. Are... Jeremy Underground. <laughs> yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah, Paris. I can talk. I, I can talk about the, the random aspect of <laughs> I know, choosing I know, nicknames. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, because because for me there was really the like, uh, oh, oh, okay, someone wants me to DJ at this club. Oh, what kind of name am I gonna choose? You know, like my my real French name doesn't sound good. For international use, you know, it's too uh, Frenchy, you know, in a way, whatever. Okay, well, I don't know, the underground, you know, it was completely random, completely random. There was no, no proper reflection before that, you know, it's just like, uh, oh, hey guys, can you help me finding a name or whatever? Well, you were always into like underground cultures, you know, you even had the word tattooed on, on your neck, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah, I've got uh, that word uh, tattooed um, on my neck. So yeah, way before Underground Paris, you know, it was all about underground cultures, you know, I kind of remember like... Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm not going to get into that, it would be too long, but... Not just musical cultures, let's say. Yeah, 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 it was pretty much about everything, feeling like an outsider in pretty much every area. And, and being outside of the system, like I quit school really early and all. And I, I was a, always a bit angry at everything and all. And and because I couldn't find my place, my my spot in society. I couldn't be useful in some way. That's what brought the anger and everything. And I, what am I going to do with my life? I have this passion, but it's going to be hard and all. So th- this whole concept of underground was just like, you know, being outside of the system 
and also mostly uh, refers to all those great records which have the the underground mixes or the underground dubs who are different from the main mixes you know and and there's something in there in those you know old school early 90s underground mix or underground dubs which is special and and that's that's the the symbol of of what I still love the most, you know, it's those dubs, those gritty, nasty, I don't know how to explain it, but, you know, <laughs> the, the, you, know you, you find... I know exactly what you mean. Shitload of records with the underground mixes, which are the best mix of the whole record, you know. It was just the, the, the symbol of what I loved in music, that, that, that notion of uh, underground. So, of course, I had to use it at some point. And going back to the name of the label... Yeah, there was deep underground records, you're right. But uh, at some point I felt <laughs> I stumbled across this uh, Black Ice record, that Black Ice EP uh, with, with that track called My Love is Underground. I was like, wow, love underground, my love is underground. That's sick, you know. It's, <laughs> it's just the name of one track in 93, so, you know, there's no copyright or whatever. Um, you know, I, I, I'm fine to use that. You know, it's just a name, and you know, it's a sentence, and and yeah, I'm like this. This is the best label name I could ever find. Well, it does capture really well our passion for good house music. Like it's, it's not shallow. Like we really feel it. It's something that lives with us, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so, yeah, the, the, the name was great. And then I had a friend doing the logo, you know, the, the graphic design of the label, and, and he did a great job. And I was like, yeah, okay, now we got the good imprint to release Sammy's music, Henry's music, Nathaniel's music, and all like all the guys we, we're going to be able to find, all our crew of friends. Yeah, I remember you were, you were always saying, oh, we need, we need to get this, that music out. Like, I remember even when I did Paris Underground tracks. I didn't actually make the tracks for My Love is Underground at first. I did yeah, it for like yeah. a, a dancer in New York for his DVD or something. Uh, I remember. And you're like, you, re course. you really bugged on those tracks. And like the sexy thing was the remix for Undertone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Shouts to Undertone. DJ's key. Um, so yeah. And yeah, you, you, you were like, yeah, we need to do something. You did those in 2008. Correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong. Yeah. 2008. And then it came out on, 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 on the label in 2010. Mm. And even to your credits, in terms of a and Ring, I remember sometimes I didn't really believe in the tracks. And you were like, no. You should duplicate that, make it longer, like keep it simple. Let's go for it, like you know. And and you really had a good vision because we know the EP did really well. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for that. But yeah, 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 yeah. Well, that that, that, that was the point. I I know exactly the music I love. You know, I just never, as I said earlier, never able to 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 make my own. And yeah, yeah. I found then I find my role. You know, and with with, with people with like great friends like you around. Like you know, I'm I'm looking back at the catalog and I'm like, yeah, this is this is great. And you know what what we have to remember to um, our listeners is the context. You know, it's 2010. And the global house scene is not really healthy, you know. It's it's that, that's the point that needs to be said at some point. Is we had some kind of frustration because the, the sound, the particular sounds we were in love with, we sometimes we had the chance to listen to it, of course, uh, you know, on the Sunday parties and all. But like generally speaking, if you go to random party, whatever. Yeah, it was really in decline. It, it was it was a big decline. There was not much people talking about the the, the, the music we really loved. You know, not much people were, were were playing it and all. And and it was you know it was a story of like yeah, 
pushing that again, pushing that again, because that music is timeless. It's not old. It's not whatever. Forget about, you know, bringing back old sounds or what. No, it's just like bringing back great music, a great style of house. Uh, because we because we loved it, you know. I, I was completely in love with it. You guys were doing it. We we're actually producing it, and we we were becoming all like you know really really strong close friends. Um, okay, we, we we need to do something with this, you know. And that, that that that's how I came up with the label and and your release, uh, Henry's release. And didn't you come with the name of the tracks as well? Like, did you come up with Hardcore Deep House? <sighs> come on, no, I, 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 maybe kind of. No, but uh, then again, Hardcore Deep House is in the, uh, was inspired from Tyree's. Of course. Uh, Tyree from Chicago. Yeah. Uh, Tyree's uh, Tyree's tune, uh, Hardcore Hip House. Yeah, I mean, people don't know <laughs> that. People think we just say hardcore, you know, because now Hardcore Deep House has a life of its own. Some people even reference it. That's the Hardcore <laughs> Deep House sound. When we yeah. only meant as a tribute to uh, Tyree. Because yeah. the, the track wasn't hip house, really. It was more like dubs. Yeah, yeah. Know? It was not that that the, the hardcore hip house tune by Terry is not even. It's not exactly the same style as 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 the track that you made. But yeah, it was the same. Like you know, uh, hard to the core, straight to the core, whatever you whatever you call that in English. It's just like the um, uh, the, the the summary of everything we loved about house music. We used to use the word hardcore for anything that was like. <laughs> Hitting hard and dope, like that track is hardcore, you know? Yeah, 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 exactly. That's just, exactly. that was our word. Yeah, yeah, it's, it reminds me of that that famous YouTube video with uh, Abigail Adams uh, from Moving Record. Yeah. That New Jersey documentary where, uh, I can't remember exactly, maybe it's the singer Sibyl or something, uh, saying, yeah, New Jersey house is a straight hardcore something. And, uh, you know, it just sounded so great. And yeah, man, we love that word, you know? But to be honest, man, like there's been a bit of a backlash against like hardcore deep house because I guess it became a, a, a word for like a style of music for some people or that's yeah, like yeah, exactly. hardcore deep house or something. But yeah, people don't know the story of why we're even using the word hardcore. So yeah, it's kind of funny, these things, you know, you need to know the, the, the real story. Of course, it's, a, you know, music and, uh, and you know, the, the peak of house was during the 90s. And also, of course, like kids like us coming like 20 years after, of course, we get many inspirations from the ground and from, from the past releases. Of course, you know, I, I get the label name from that Black Ice release. We got that, that, that track from, from a Tyrus track. Of course, <laughs> music is just, you know, getting inspiration and, and trying to make, you know, uh, to produce something afterwards. But of course, there is inspiration. We didn't come out, uh, you know, out of nowhere. You know, it was... Uh, out of respect for for certain tradition and and you know something that has that, that had been kind of lost in our opinions uh, from what we could listen in clubs sometimes in random clubs and all yeah I think you know what there's pockets of people like us around the world who are so passionate they'll just do anything they can to um, to find the information you know like we would obsess over one artist zoning and try to look for every single dub they ever made like, <laughs> yeah yeah it's a smack smack production smack yeah yeah but you know i was i was obsessed with things uh, generally and trying to find out and everything but when i met you <laughs> what i saw in you was the next level of obsession you know Seriously? And, uh, yeah of course dude like you know you're the next level of 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 kind of obsessed dude of course in a good way you know it's uh, for art and music and all of course but you know it's like this guy is on another level you know like just like when you were looking for jersey boy 
Yeah. The yellow pages in the US <laughs> and all. Like, I would have done that for a few hours and all, but like, you just spent like weeks and months and all. And, and he was like, hey, have you found Jersey Boy now? No, not yet and all. And you were not giving up, you know. And, and I know you, you still have that <laughs> till, till today for, you know, for your, for your further passions, like, you know, Japanese house or whatever. And uh, dude, that's crazy. You know, I've never seen someone so obsessed with details because we're talking about details of some awesome very unknown or obscure producers you know <laughs> it's not an obsession for a mainstream thing or for a, you know that that, that that where many people are into that, that kind of obsession no no it was like being obsessed and being the only one in the world being obsessed about this you know <laughs> that's the good thing about it that you feel like you're like i refer this to being like indiana jones Like there is, yeah. you know, there's information, but you gotta look deep for it. And so, yeah, it's like finding Eddie Perez. Like was obs I was obsessed, and I even made a track called "Where Is Eddie." Right? We yeah, were, yeah. We, I mean, we we're all. Uh, so for me, it was like a mission for everybody. Like, yeah, let me try to find him so we, he can give tell tell us more and like reveal yeah, yeah. secrets and whatever. You know, same <laughs> yeah, with Nate yeah, yeah. when we found Nate. Like I, I think we found him on YouTube. No, yeah, YouTube or under his hip hop alias or something. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be YouTube. I, I must say it was easier with Nate. Uh, we're talking about Nathaniel X for our listeners. Big shout out to Nathaniel X as well. Yeah, Vinyl X, like those uh, Island Noise records uh, releases, and and of course the the most famous, well, not famous, but the most famous for us, which was the Nathaniel X uh, Project EP on Music Station. Yeah, it was easier than the than the other guys, but. Uh, <laughs> But still, which was the birth of my love is underground, actually. Yeah, because um, you know, we were pretty obsessed with, with this guy and pretty obsessed with, with you know, Jersey Boy and Smack and. But you know, it's for for the listeners, well, uh, you know, the the followers or well, listening to us, it's like we were obsessed with people that nobody was ever obsessed with. Of course, there was there were these guys. They had fans. They sold records and all, but like. At the point where we started looking like no one else was caring, but for us, I don't know, these guys, they 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 had such a special sound, and and uh, probably we also felt that maybe in some way they didn't get the recognition that they deserved, and also we are not obsessed with the main artist because you could find a lot of information on, uh, I don't know, Carrie or the Masters at Work or Blaze and all, and we we knew that you know there, there was a. Uh, before us, there was already a lot of people who met these guys and, and you know, did ratios or whatever. But we had to look for, <laughs> you know, something a bit deeper. And, and yeah, it was like, yeah, yeah, Nathaniel X, um, uh, Smack and, and, and Jersey Boy. And, and of course, what we got to explain is that when... When we, because you know, it's just it's not just you or me. It was like the both of us, and and including some of our friends. When we found the contact of these guys, and we explained them our love for their, you know, old records, like these guys couldn't believe it. And that's the beauty of it. Yeah, you know, <laughs> that's the beauty of it. I know it was amazing. It's like it's like some you know young dudes from the other side of the world, uh, you know, different cultures and all, uh, 20 years long, uh, younger on another continent finding out about, you know, knowing every little detail. I mean, these guys must have freaked out, you know. They did, man. You know, if you talk to Nathaniel, man, he cherishes those years and that moment, you know. He even dedicated a track to us, Jeremy's. Yeah, exactly. And I remember when he sent us all the tracks to review for My Love is Underground. Yeah. Like, we were all, like, hanging at your place. 
It was amazing. Like we just couldn't believe what we were listening to, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was so good. And that EP, uh, you know, the, the first release, I mean, I'm not sending flowers to myself, however you say that in English, but like I'm, these tracks are so dope, you know. <laughs> it's just like, the, the, you know, the, the four of them. And we were like, we couldn't believe it, you know, and, and he couldn't believe it neither. And uh, yeah, it's, an, you know, well, it's, it's I, I would say it's not, of course, we, we were not the only ones doing that. Like, the, the, you know, there's a lot of similar stories in the ratio world. You know, the soul, fun, jazz, whatever, you know, like that. there are lots of labels who are specialized into tracking those obscure producers and all. But it was, it was not that popular in the house world and especially in the 90s house world. Also, I have to say, like there's a difference between having a record label as a business and, you know, having opportunities to do reissues and approach it like kind of like a business versus being passionate since being uh, young and, and loving that music and living and breathing it and then evolving to creating your label and signing those, this, finding those people, like that's different. Like I don't think there are many people who have um, that passion. So I think, you know, doing reissues from that point of view is much more meaningful. And I think that's why, you, you know, the, everything came together, like the success. And in the end, I think it was a natural progression for us to be so involved in this culture, you know, we, we decided to be a part of it. We didn't, we're not going to let somebody else decide if we were going to be allowed in. Because I found that um, when I was uh, coming up in, in the scene or trying to show my tracks, I, I was kind of like, I wasn't getting much echo to like, um, to reaching out to producers and DJs. And I really only got like love from a few uh, misfits, let's say, who yeah. <laughs> lived at different places in France, one in the north, one in the suburb, two in the suburb of Paris. You know what I mean? Uh, finding each other on Discord. Cool vibe, we found him on Discord. Of course. Like he would live in Paris, but he was on Discogs. And so like the whole thing was like, you know, we had to do everything ourselves. You know, we didn't wait for anybody. And, and, and if anybody was listening to this, you know, don't wait for anybody to to tell you if something's good or whatever. You have to do it. And as long as you carry on, you'll just be part of it. Yeah, and 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 obviously there was no business plan or whatever. Yes. Just like put out put out those records. Like uh, for me at that time, even you know the first release and is, no distribution as well. Yeah, the first one, no distribution. It started with yours, the second release with yeah. uh, with uh, Melik at the uh, Discograph. Uh, and the, the the first day of the sales, I was working in the, in the office. Um, that's the last job I've done uh, before becoming a DJ. Um, and I remember uh, I was just working in an office. I don't have any diploma, like even the the, the the most basic diploma. So I was working, you know, selling stuff for a company and all. And I was, you know, I, I kind of enjoyed it, but uh, whatever. I had not much future. And, you know, I, I, yeah, I didn't know what I would do out of my life, you know. It just like, it seems, uh, at the time, it seemed, it seemed really impossible to turn that love for music into a job. It happened eventually, but back in those days, even the two first releases, Nathaniel X and yours, it's like, yeah, we're doing this because I need to do it. My friends need to do it. We need to do it together. Same as, you know, the, the whole thing you just explained earlier. But there was no business plan at all. 
It's just like, let's put that out. We need to put it out. We need to spread the message. We need to do that. You know, it's just, it's deep inside our hearts. But yeah, of course, uh, you know, it's it's one thing, like when you start music and all, don't believe in a business plan. Like, don't believe that you that's going to be your job or whatever, because then you're going to take the wrong decisions. And totally. all, you know, like career, a career comes after with its good sides and, and its awful sides and all. The second one sold well, you know, so it's like some kind of, oh, yeah, well, that's crazy and all. Maybe, you know, maybe, maybe something can happen. But we didn't care. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we didn't care. I know, man. I mean, who who would have known? Who would have known we even sold <laughs> yeah. as many as we did in the end? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but, but yeah, but I had that phone call. I was in that office working, sitting. I had that phone call from uh, Melik from Discograph. And he said, my man, I sold the 300 in a minute. Like, what should we do? I'm like, yeah, well, come on, repress. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and then call you probably. I don't, I don't remember every detail, but he was like, shit, we, we, we sold those 300 records in, in a minute. So wait, this is the rest of the Nathaniel X stock, right? Um, no, I, I was actually referring to yours. So no, uh, the whole Nathaniel was direct, or did they do a bit? Did they do the repress? No, uh, no, 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 no. I did the repress two years after with a different mastering, but the whole, uh, I think, yeah, eventually it was just uh, 500 copies of the first release. Yeah, sold directly uh, to Juno here and there, uh, you know, bringing the record to some record shops in Paris and all. So yeah, it was definitely DIY kind of stuff i had my stock at home you know well it's it's a typical story but you know it's just like the beginning and yeah i'm gonna try to sell those records i invested some money i hope you know i can you know i can i can sell those records and all but yeah it was a bit of a gamble at first <laughs> yeah 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 we put that out uh yeah whatever even if it's not selling or whatever it doesn't matter at least we've done it you know with the mistakes of the beginners the mastering isn't that great on that record and all you you, you always do mistakes in the beginning then you get better you learn from your mistakes and you move on it was not really made for you know it's just like very personal it's just like you know i was um, paying some uh, some respect to my parents my deceased parents and also it was just like basically very personal mm. it was not made to to spread out in the market or whatever it was made to be spread to the right people who would have the same love man it, it touched so many people you know i think when you're so passionate about something you know, it translates into the music, you know, the people can feel it. I remember we, I'm, I'm saying we when we talk about My Love is in the Ground because I was... Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. And, and of course. when we saw that there were like people traveling to some of the yeah. parties, like, yeah, yeah. you had already, you know, started doing your, getting your, your, your gigs abroad and everything. But just to see the, the response from people all around the world... That was mind-blowing, you know? And I think then, you know, the next level was definitely like putting out the record and then seeing people coming out of the woodwork like dormant spies or something. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course, it's the, that's the, now we're getting to the story of the first label parties. Uh, 2011, uh, uh, May 13th, 2011 at the camp in London. Oh, yeah. The one you helped uh, setting up. I think it was uh, thanks to your... Uh, connections with Secret Sundays, I think. Yeah, James Priestley used to own that venue. We had uh, friends, uh, a good crew of friends traveling from France, and and they, they, there was other people traveling from other countries. And of course, like the, you know, the, the beauty of it is that you know we we are still in touch with everyone. Yeah, I mean that that party, man. You know, that's it's like a seed was planted and it sprouted into like 
a big tree because um, so Tristan was there with the with Frenchie and some people from Back to Basics. So they witnessed it and then they invited us back. Uh, yeah, to exactly. Leeds. Gideon was there from yeah. um, Block Nine. Yeah, he was there all night. Yeah, but yeah, so many people were there at that party. It's, it's crazy, man. Uh, and that's also the party where we sold the seven inch. Exactly, and I promised everyone I would never uh, repress that one, which is, uh, you know, and, I, and I'll never do it because it was really like, yeah, trying to bring people. Of course, many people have been doing this probably before us, of course, and many people have been doing it after. But like, yeah, okay, guys, we're asking you to travel somewhere in Europe. Uh, you got to take a train or a plane or whatever, but then you're going to find an exclusive release and, uh, you know. By the way, for those who are listening, at the end of the party, there were like records on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, it was such a messy party, you know, so many drunk people. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you got to, you know, that's that's the tricky part. You're selling a record, but then you're asking people and, I mean, people are enjoying and dancing and drinking. Of course, it's a party, so. But yeah, it was like, you know, trying to get extremely personal on a really niche sound, obviously. You know, it was like we, we were bringing something different on the table, something we we didn't invent at all, but just like, you know, sharing something we loved from an earlier era of house music. And all. of course, we didn't invent anything. I feel like it's a bit like the like a, the Olympic torch. We found a bit of fire and we kept that going, you know, and we're just <laughs> basically... Keeping <laughs> yeah. the, the, the fire alive of like authentic house or our perception of it anyway, you know? Exactly. We're just trying to walk into other people's footsteps and pay tribute, but, you know, always move forward. You know, it's not about stopping. It's about continuing in 2020. We're still doing it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, and uh, as far as I'm concerned, the best of the very best memory of parties at that time would be the one at the Bateau Far in Paris oh, yeah. in uh, May 2012. That was crazy. I mean, we did the first one in London. It was risky. Eventually, it turned out good. You know, people came and all, and there was a record and all. But then, like, doing a party in our hometown was, like, the big stress. Yeah. Are we going to make it in our hometown? If not, that would be, you know, sad and all. And, yeah, we, we all came together. The whole crew <laughs> played our best records. I never felt that much pressure before a party. I'm like, yeah, okay, well, it's now never. If, if it's empty, you know, maybe it's time to move on. If it's full, uh, it's it's the, the beginning of something else, and uh, and yeah, uh, then again, um, lots of people traveling, or we're still like really close friends with after after eight years. You know, man, those parties, like those few parties that we have, like the Battlefar, the two editions, uh, the Club Up uh, Slap Funk party. Like yeah. The, the same year. The, the, the vibes that we got from those parties, like the fact that after every single track, everybody was ecstatic, the atmosphere. <laughs> I haven't really experienced that that many times. Uh, I think we're, we're quite privileged to have had experiences where people have, you know, expressed so much love and so much... That, that's, for me, one of the great joys of just having of this life. career and, and our life. <laughs> yeah. These are the few things that when they happen, I'm like, wow, this is just like mind-blowing and I'm so grateful for it, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. such a confirmation that, you know, what we're doing is right and people understand it and it's crazy, man. Those, those, I remember that party. So we did a special record, uh, yep. MLEU7, right? Which party? Uh, the Don't Go, the first Batofa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the one. So Don't Go, which was kind of like the beginning of the dungeon sound for me anyway. Um, yeah. It's the only track I could ever produce during the whole year almost because I just moved to Stockholm and I was working and I was trying new things and new setup and I couldn't come up with anything and that's 
technically the only track that I made and that got <laughs> released and it's uh, Don't Go. Yeah, and then, uh, good memories of driving you over and driving over 4,000 kilometers back and forth in a few days with our pal uh, Leandre. Uh, Leandre, yeah. <laughs> Leandre. Yeah, great memories. Jeremy and my friend Leandre uh, drove me from Paris to Stockholm because I moved to Stockholm back in 2011. And before I moved to Leeds, I thought oh, I'm going to move to, I'm going to live in Sweden. And I thought this is my life now. And so these guys, they, uh, we rented a, a van and we put all my stuff, all my records, everything was such a heavy van. All of us in the front. <laughs> It was so funny, man. What was that track we were playing over and over on the, oh, on the CD? Jessica, mm. was it? Yeah, that, that's got to be a Terrence Parker track. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, it was a Jessica track, no? <laughs> yeah, that's got to be it. Yeah, yeah, which, which, uh, which I reissued later on, yeah. actually, on the label. But yeah, the, yeah, that's got to be the, the Jessica <laughs> tune, yeah, <laughs> by Terrence Parker. Yeah, yeah, I mean, great, great times. Uh, yeah, you didn't stay long there. Maybe the winters were too tough <laughs> for French. But at least you came up with that with that tune, yeah. "Don't Go," which which is massive, you know, some crazy tune. And that was a direct distribution affair as well. You you sold almost everything on Discogs, right? Yeah, that one took me a long time, but I had nothing else to do out of my life, you know. So we did that party, and we 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 sold a few hundred records at the party. But then I said, yeah, okay, let, let's keep on with the personal approach. So uh, so I sold all the records to to people on Discogs, but it was not uh, quite sold much in records stores and every copy would be signed yeah. with the name of the Discogs user or the name of the guy. So obviously it took me a long time to ship all those records and and and, and the local post office would look at me like I'm a freak. And, uh, How many roughly did you sell uh, directly on Discogs yourself? <laughs> I can't remember. Like 700 but, but, or Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So imagine 700 packages. That's crazy. <laughs> um, it was great. Like, I loved it, you know, spending uh, uh, morning till evening just packing those records. You know, it was good for the label. It was good for you. It was good for Eura, who had the B-side, SE62. It was great for all of us. Not just me, of course, but the two artists on the records. You know, we split everything in three parts and everything. And, and uh, people were happy. And I was happy. You guys were happy. And of, of course, then later on, you can do that forever. You know, it's just like full-time shipping records and all. And obviously, you want records to be on the record shops as well. You know, so it can't always be personal like this. It was a great experience. I know there's always like so many people who ask me about My Love is Underground and I'm sure you're asked like all the time. So for the sake of it, like what's happening with the label? Well, you know, I, I think there's uh, like uh, eras in time. Like we, when, when, when we came with that energy and crazy love and the, and the first release and all, It was like the early 2010s. But, you know, then, then the things started to change. Like there was other people who kind of did the same as us and we became friends. And, you know, obviously it started some kind of a small underground scene. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, it's just what I explained, friends. It's like then the DJing took over. You know, that's the thing. Like um, there's a few different points. Like, first of all, I was busy from morning till evening with the label. And uh, there's been like uh, 15, no, 17 releases. But then, like, especially after 2015, DJing became a bit crazy for me. You don't find all the time you need. That's one point. The other point is that, you know, there was a name for a special, for, you know, trying to put a revival on a certain sound. And I think the mission was somehow accomplished. The label is not dead. It can be reopened at any time. 
that's that's what I tell people, you know, it can be reopened at any time. But I think you guys with the music you sent me and, and releasing it and all, all, all the friends who were released on the label, you know, we did our best to not impose, but, you know, try to bring that sound back. And I, I think we did it good. We tried to at least. And it was never meant to be on a label that would last forever. Because then I didn't want to release some other sound, yeah. more Chicago sounds or whatever. It was never meant to be road styles of music and whatever. And then, of course, some of you guys, you know, you, you, you stepped into other styles, sub styles. So, you know, it just slowed down. And and uh, and uh, and uh, at the same time, I was extremely busy with DJ gigs, traveling all the time. You only think about the show on the weekend. Say, so, you know, I, I couldn't be on all fronts at the same time. Yeah, you your know? mind wasn't in the right place. You know, being being focused on the on on the shows and uh, you know trying to make people dance is is the right place. You know, but it's just not the same place. As a few years earlier, when we when you were just focused on uh, on releasing records from your friends, you know, it's just like it's hard to produce music and be a DJ. It's hard to be a label owner and a producer and a DJ. You know, you got to split your time and all. And then I focused all of all of my energy into into the DJing, you know. But still, you know, uh, anytime you send me some dope ass tunes and 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 you know, well, there's gonna be a release, you know. Well, it's not for lack of trying. It's 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 not like like, like it's not only you, of course. Yeah, but let's say uh, <laughs> you're also a very you're very picky, uh, Jeremy. That's and it's a good thing. It's a good thing, and and I know this from running multiple labels, like. Sometimes, I mean, I'm not going to talk about what I would send to you, but sometimes people think like they've got it figured what you're going to like and they send you something and actually they miss the point because it's such a personal thing. Like to sign something, you need to have like an emotional connection with that track. Exactly. So it's, exactly. it's, it's, really, the, it's really as simple as that. Like the track could be great for somebody else. It could be produced amazingly well. But if I don't feel in love with it, then, you know, I'm not going to sign it. And it's the same that goes with you. Of course. So uh, moving forward, let's say, okay, um, My Love is Underground is not dead. My Love is Underground just needs, you know, can come back from the, from the, the hibernation. Uh, in, yeah. in what form will it be? Like, um, are you going to be uh, trying to dip into your pool of friends or are you going to look? Because you're not really looking for music, right? Are you looking for other people to like submit something? No, 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 no. I, I mean, the, the 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 point of this label was just to release music from friends or release music from from US guys, old US guys who, who who we found and we had a you know a strong connection to the music. And also, I'm not gonna start looking for new producers or whatever. I have nothing against that, but uh, it's just you know it's another job. Then again, it's another job. And um, there's only and, one and, guy that's. You've ever released this music that sent you a demo, right? Oh, yeah, Zer. Yes, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, Zer sent me a demo and, and we never met. And uh, and we met only later after the release. And But, you know, the track was so dope, uh, you know. And uh, I'm, uh, what I'm trying to say here is that th there was a deep connection between all, all the artists and we were all friends together. So I was always a bit... Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna, you know, dig for new guys, whatever. Maybe, maybe we're not gonna get along, and you know, stuff like that. Uh, I want it to be personal all the time. So you know, it's sometimes you dig on the internet, and then again, you don't get along or whatever. But this guy, uh, we got along really well afterwards, of course. And um, and yeah, but but also Yura, you know, he sent me demos as well, and we never met. Um, so you know, it was just like a family kind of business. You know, it was a family business. 
And the other point is after some years of playing exclusively or almost exclusively that very specific niche type of music, I also opened my spectrum, sometimes playing harder stuff, uh, but mostly playing a lot of uh, older 70s, uh, you know, 80s kind of music, and um, which would be, of course, like soul funk, disco, and, uh, and also jazz and all. And at that time, I became a bit obsessed with that as well. Let's say half, half with house, you know, like half the other stuff that the older stuff and half house. The label was not so relevant anymore. All my energy was not especially into, you know, pushing that sound anymore. Although I, I would, you know, still love it and I still lo and I loved it even back then, of course. But it was like, you know, it's just a time in your musical career or musical uh, path. I switched to something else, which was like, yeah, trying to mix up soul funk, disco and house and all. Yeah, man. It's like starting a new relationship with someone. You know, you, you learn about them, you learn about new things, you get deep into it, you know. And really, you're just staying, staying excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, I couldn't keep on with playing the same records all over because, you know, I'm, as you said, I'm extremely picky. So, the, the, you know, it's pretty hard at some point to find out like new killer records that you love as much as, as the music you loved before. So for me, yeah, it was opening the spectrum playing different stuff, making new connections, uh, you know, in the soul funk world and all. And, and it took my energy and, and, I, and, I, and I converted, I tried to convert that into the DJing, you know. So that's why at some point the label got slower, slower to the point that I haven't been releasing uh, anything in two years now. But then again, the doors are open. You know what, let's, let's do that. I'm going to try to revive the old group of friends. I'm going to start like a, a Facebook group or some kind of like email list. And we're all going to like try to collect uh, works and see if we can do a, you know. We got a project together. Yeah, right we, do, so we do, we do. <laughs> That's, the ball is in my camp, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> to your credit, man, like, I'm the one that needs to finish a bunch of tracks. So, yeah, it's coming, guys. So, you, you know, it's not just like I gave up on the label because I was tired or something. That, that That's not the case at all. It's just that my mind went to, you know, like uh, intense touring, the love for, for soul funk and also. So it was not the same state of mind as, as 2010, uh, being uh, only focused on, uh, you know, finding records and, and, and strictly house music, you know. Then I was like, yeah, you know. And, and also, I didn't want to turn My Love is on the Ground into a ratio thing for soul funk, whatever. I just wanted to keep, you know, uh, that imprint is made for that kind of sound you know that's it yeah i opened myself as a dj but as the as the label owner of that label i didn't want to open the label well i think that's good man you've got an identity you know unlike some labels we're just doing everything no no of course of course but yeah yeah but there's nothing nothing bad happened with any of the artists or whatever or that that, that would make me quit the label or whatever you know it's just it's not that it's just a musical path that leads you to somewhere else and that's it you know and that's how i came out with you know the the the, the three compilations i did with like the house compilations and uh, and then uh, later on in the in 2016 with my beauty the compilation the compilation called beauty uh, which was completely different you know and that's what i needed to do at that time such you know? a nice compilation uh, but man. it was completely different to my loves on the ground it was just an old world a whole different world which is connected to me are you working on any compilation at the moment I got some project in my head, but uh, you know it's just not uh, not happening right now. But uh, but yeah, I'd love to put out some more compilations, which I'm probably gonna hand to release myself at the end. Going back like DIY. Style. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the DIY stuff. Uh, I'd love to push, you know, something 
something mixed, you know, a mix between between uh, between the two worlds I love, you know, which is house and and the rest, and uh, and trying to mix it up the same way I'm trying to mix it up in my uh, DJ sets. But then again, you know, finding a label that's gonna find all the license and all, you know, it's a lot of work. And so I get it that it's not that easy to get. You mean like the licenses? Not not the license, but someone who you know tries to project and wants to you know invest the money in, in it and then produce it from the scratch and all. I guess I guess it's it's better to do everything by yourself, you know. And and uh, these are the options I'm I'm exploring right now, actually. That's awesome, man. Um, let's talk about like the situation at the moment, like and everything that's been going on. First of all, you you live in the south of France with your wife and your daughter, right? Yeah, exactly. I moved out from the the craziness of the city three years ago. Uh, I was just fed up with Paris, just the same way you were. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of people moving moving out, and not just from Paris, but from other capitals and all, because you know it's uh, it's too intense, too hectic, too much traffic jams, too much uh, too much stress and all. And since I've been lucky to do that work for you know uh, about ten years, but let's say let's say five years uh, quite seriously, I was like, yeah, I need some calm during weekdays. I need to see some nature. You know, you you get the madness from the club at weekends, but you know if you can rest uh, quietly during the week, it's better. Instead of you know of yeah. being inside the the the, the city's madness, especially now with the lockdown, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was quite lucky to be to be living here during the lockdown. Yeah, I could uh, I could still run in the forest and all like you know, there's, there's nobody to control you or whatever. And of course, I <laughs> I, I respected the, all the rules and all, but you know, it's just like yeah, it was quiet and uh, and better than than being locked down in a flat, you know, in in some town. For me, like the the fact that I was able to spend su successive weekends with my family, like looking back, I hadn't had that opportunity to do that for a very long time. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, it was. Uh, I pretty much enjoyed it at first. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell the whole truth. You know, it's just like when everything was locked and uh, and you know we were all scared and all. But at least you know, I'd be like, yeah, I'm far in the countryside. You know, far away. I, actually, living in the south where the virus wasn't uh, really active. Um, so feeling a bit protected from that, um, from that fact. But uh, yeah, it's good for a month. You know, I, I enjoyed it in April. But then, you know, when everybody's back to work and you're just stuck, you know, it, it, then it really sucks, you know. And uh, I think, uh, you know, the whole music industry is going to no full phase. You know, I'm not discovering anything right now, but it's a proper disaster. It's yeah. a proper disaster of, uh, you know, there's this like, I, I read the other day, there's like 300 clubs out of 1,200 that have already closed in France. Wow. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of us who are going to be forced to, you know, To find a new job, which is not easy, you know, you just, uh, as you said the other day on on on, on your great uh, Instagram post, you know, we got to start from ground zero, where everything we've done in music is, you know, it's not lost forever, of course, but it's lost for now. Like we cannot work, we can't work, and <laughs> and that, that that's really tough uh, psychologically, you know. I'm, I'm, you know, man, this COVID 19 crisis has like you know triggered a lot of uh, mental issues and mental stress on so many people. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm going through a really difficult phase. You know, as I said, lots of lots of hopes that have kind of disappeared uh, from hearing the news, from what's going on and what's probably gonna go on uh, uh, this winter and all. 
even the people who haven't lost their jobs, you know, it was, it was a tough time for them as well, you know, being locked in a flat or whatever. So, I, you know, it's it, 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 there's a lot of new cases of depression, of anxious people and all. And, and um, yeah, I won't lie, you know, it's just like uh, it's, uh, it's an extremely tough time when you wake up in the morning and you don't know how you, you know what you're going to do, you know. You've suffered from anxiety and depression for many years, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I've always been up and down. Would you say like the COVID-19 crisis re-triggered it? Uh, as, as, as I said, I was doing well in April when we were all locked. It's a strange time, but at least it was very quiet and peaceful in a way, mm -hmm. uh, at least for me, because I, I didn't get affected by the virus, neither me or my wife's family or whatever. So we, we were not directly concerned, you know, although we would be concerned about everyone, everyone else, obviously, but... It's a really tough time for me at the minute. Yeah, tough time for me, tough time for everyone I know in the industry. Um, you know, sometimes family is helping, your wife is helping or whatever. Yeah. Uh, your parents can be helping or whatever. But yeah, we're all in, uh, in some shithole right now. It's tough, man. It's hard, man. And as everyone says, we, we are all in this together. Not just the music industries, but like between friends. You know, even this, doing this talk and, and reminiscing over like old stories, I just feel great just from doing that, I think. Sometimes where the mind goes, the feeling goes. So if you're concentrated on something um, negative, then you start to just feel like that. But I just like even talking to you about old memories and hearing your voice, like getting excited about something, you know, it's, it's great. Like it shows you that we, we need that connection. We need to be able to look out for something positive. You know, we need to find excitement in our life. There's just so much bad news in the world right now. It's so easy to get depressed, you know, you, you get you look at the news, notifications, Facebook, social media, you know, you're polluted by this kind of visual information that just sends you signals that the world is like uh, in chaos. So yeah, I think we, we really ought to um, be careful how we spend our time. And I think we really need to just connect in general. More. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But, you know, I, I wanted to point out something, an old story, but, uh, you know, I, I was deep in the hole back in 2008 because I didn't know what to do out of my life. I had this passion, but, you know, on, on the work side, I, I had no idea. Then again, no diploma, no nothing. And, uh, you know, no no goal in sight. So just plain, pure depression. And uh, back in those days, 2008 is just like one year after I lost my father and 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 my, uh, my, my mother had died uh, earlier. I was like what the fuck is going on you know what am i gonna do with my life i'm fucked and all and and uh, i just want to point out to all of us uh, all the people listening that you helped me a lot you helped me a lot in 2008 when you pushed me do, doing those uh, we were doing live stream shows uh, called uh, many moods of house yeah and you, you would push me like man come on you got so much great records you, we got to do something and all and and i had no hope and everything i'm like yeah okay whatever and 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 then we did those and we, we started to make connections it was like two years earlier than the label but we started to make the connections and uh and that, that, yeah, that brought some light in me, you know, and uh, and I'm uh, forever grateful for that. So I'm just telling you as a friend, thanks for that. Well, man, I'm grateful for you to be in my life. Like these were some really hard times and I know how you were feeling and you're just crushing darkness. But yeah, I, I didn't let go. I couldn't. So, you know, the, the whole... Uh, uh, label thing and then then uh, uh, the, the the DJ thing and all yeah well it's it was not just on my own it was it was we were a group of friends helping each other uh, pushing each other 
like you know i would push you producing i would push you whatever you would push me come on man get out of your house and do something <laughs> and so so you know it was a teamwork you know of course then it evolves in you know in different dj careers and all like you know you you, you can't play together all the time and all so uh, everybody uh, you know is working on his own or whatever but like but like but like you know, it's it it was a it was a teamwork and it, and it and a, and a group thing and the, and the whole story of this label or the, you know or you pushing me out from my room and try to do something and of 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 course you know it's a, um, nobody builds himself alone you know and and I I built myself thanks to friends like you you know of course all other friends as well but you know this has to be said. Well, this is what real friends are for, man. Like we have to be there for each other, like in the good. And the bad. But you know what? I think we should really be proud of ourselves. Like what you've done is amazing, man. You know, our, our paths kind of like broke off somehow. Like there was a, a, a clear line where you just took off. Like after, you know, you started playing your own shows and boiler rooms and you just snowballed. And that was just crazy to see. Like, yeah. I'm so proud of you, man. Like to see everything that's happened to you is just like really amazing. So yeah, well done on you, man. Yeah, thanks. But you know, it was not necessarily the best years or the best memories or whatever when when you take off. And I just want to tell people who sometimes lurk at the you know Instagram pages and all and look with jealousy or oh shit, this man made it or whatever. Well, there's a lot of suffering of being on tour and being alone and and uh, you know it's uh, it's not you know yeah you get booked you get booked a lot or whatever and you start to make a decent living and all and you get to because it's your career. And you, and you grow up, you, you pass your 30s, uh, you get married, you get a kid and all. It's a job. But as far as I'm concerned, I know there was a time maybe around 2016 where, where I was throwing too much. It was just like, yeah, you got to do it. You know, if you, you know, it's some kind of competition or whatever, which is, I don't know, it's, it's crap. It's crap. It's a, it's a career. You know, everybody has to go through that in any career, in any job you know, trying to succeed or whatever, you know, but... Uh, well, the thing, you got into a machine, you know, once you get into a machine, there's so many um, um, elements to that new um, motor. There's the agent, the PR, the thing, the that, the, the press, the the perception of the people, the, the, you know, the social media, all that stuff. And it's, you know, I guess you get chewed up sometimes, you know, you, you try to do what you can, but everything is just blown up and there's all these misunderstanding and yeah it's not easy man point is it's not easy to make a career out of music what i'm what i'm um, and to make a living from it um uh, it can succeed but even when it succeeds it's 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 not easy to deal with and uh, and uh, what i truly thought back then and truly still think and will always think is that um something like music is always better when you have a side job you, you, you have a side job that you like and you enjoy, which is more like a regular stuff, whatever. And then you buy records and you play records just for fun, you know, and you don't, you don't have to tour and you don't have to play there and you don't have to do this on Instagram and you don't have to do that on Facebook and all. And, um, and it's the best way. You and know? when there's a pandemic, you still have your job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Sometimes people looking at, yeah, DJing isn't serious and all. Well, yeah, well, at the minute, yeah, yeah, I wish, I wish I had a side job <laughs> for sure. Sadly, there's going to be a lot of damage in our scene. The clubs are, that have already closed, the clubs that will close tomorrow, the DJs that will change their jobs. No, no, it's pretty brutal, man. But you know what? The, the people have been quite supportive. Like, there's so many like 
the clubs that were going to shut down, they got like bailed out by crowdfunding. Like people have been great uh, at supporting, but unfortunately, I mean, that can't last forever, you know. Yeah. And uh, we all have to find something to do. That's for sure. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, for for me, it's like you know, for me, for uh, pretty much everyone. Um, it was a bit realistic at the minute. It's like stepping back for me. It's like a step back from ten years, you know, uh, back to back to the situation in 2009 before before we started everything, you know, together. Um, But at the same time, it's exciting. Although although, huh? okay, it's dark. Yeah, there we don't we're not making money. We're struggling. Uh, but at the same time, to be in that situation where you don't have anything, like. The fact that you want something, the desire is stronger, and I think like it's almost like well, you have to start again from scratch. So who knows? Maybe the coming years, once this pandemic is over, uh, we might be like living some new moments of building something because you know we know it crowds change all the time. So eventually, you'll be presenting something new, and there might be this new. I don't know. I'm. I, I want to look at it in a in a positive way, and and, and I'm sure I'm going to be talking to you uh, about doing something uh, that involves both of us on a musical level. Of course, of course. You know, I, I really appreciate your positivity. I'm the opposite. <laughs> I'm the opposite kind of guy, and, and that's how you helped me in 2008, or even like in our recent uh, private discussions. But uh, yeah, right now I'm concerned about the economical reality of most of us. Like what's happening? Uh, are you going to be able to pay your rent? Uh, you know, whatever, all, all that, all that kind of stuff. It's like day-to-day -day stuff. Um, of, uh, you know, the people working in clubs who have lost their jobs. Because of course, it's not only about the music industry. You know, like restaurant owners, bar owners. Like there's so much industries that have been affected. You yeah. know, uh, not to mention the people that got sick or died. You know, it's 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 not just about losing your job. You could lose your life as well. So you know, it's just like yeah, it's a it's a global mess. It's as far as I'm concerned, it's pretty hard to find anything optimistic at the minute. But I appreciate you know friends encouraging and and saying stuff like you do and our family. Yeah, of course, of course. Let's keep the faith. Let's keep the faith, my friend. Yeah, yeah, we gotta keep the faith. Yeah, exactly. Look, uh, Jeremy, thanks so much for uh, doing this chat in English. Like, it's, I've never spoken to you in English on a one-to-one -one before. <laughs> That's right. Man, thanks for thanks for inviting me. Thanks for all the good work you're doing now on your on your platform, Patreon. Uh, it's great. I enjoy seeing you uh, seeing you doing those videos on Instagram, on my Instagram feed, and, uh, you know, trying to bring something in, in those dark times where we sadly we cannot dance in clubs anymore. Big up for your positivity, for your talent, for your friendship. Thanks, my friend. And uh, yeah, I hope uh, we get to play to everybody who's listening to us and and we can, you and I, play for them because I know there's a lot of people who would like that. So Because it was supposed to be the anniversary of My Love is Underground. Yeah, the, the, 10, the years, 10 years. Yeah, yeah. Some things in mind, but yeah, they, they just fell up. And, uh, and of course, there's many people listening to us who are in our, the, the same situation, even 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 sometimes if they have other jobs, you know, like there's so much people at risk of losing jobs, losing jobs right now. So we, we all yes. got to stand together and, and help each other. And, you know, it's um, it's not just the music industry. It's, it's a lot of industries. So, yeah, I guess a lot of people will feel concerned about what we're talking about right now. And, uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, definitely, uh, definitely. But you know what? A lot of people have also what we all have in common. Although we've lost everything, we haven't lost our love for music. And in in the dark times, that's this thing that can um, bring a light to our souls. And so yeah, we gotta we gotta keep you gotta keep 
finding that music for others and I, I gotta keep making that music as well so exactly. we're just gonna leave on that note my friend cheers to all cheers to all listeners and thanks again to you brother much love my friend thanks to everyone for tuning in for this second installment of A Deeper Network for those out there who are interested in bonus episodes that I'm making with each of my guests I recommend you to visit patreon.com slash brother Every month, some of my patrons ask questions to my future guests and I make a special bonus episode out of it. So once again, thanks so much for tuning in. Peace out.